With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. It's Kerry Lutz. The date is December 14th, 2015. Just got back from Havana, Cuba. What a trip. You can listen to all of my ruminations, my rants and raves about the place. Just go over to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. You'll see the shows there. But more importantly, news here at home and abroad John's been writing uh, more about this than probably anybody out there. Uh, John, I mean, it's going crazy out there with uh, with the junk bond market collapse. And uh, hey, it's good to talk to you. Hey, Kerry, good to talk to you too. Yeah, junk bonds are the big story now. Um, they had been one of the, um, the the real shining bull markets of the last few years to the extent that um, – Interest rates on junk bonds, which are basically loans to high risk companies, you know, that, that have a pretty good chance of defaulting and therefore they need to pay up to borrow. Uh, the, the average rate on junk bonds had gotten to below 6% last year. And that's, that's really low because that's pretty consistent with what the U.S. government has historically had to borrow at dangerously over the last 50 low. or so years. Yeah, dangerously, dangerously low. low. And, and it's, yeah. Oh, go ahead. And, I know you'll be talking more about this on your freshly minted new podcast that uh, that you'll be sending out the link for uh, because you want to reach uh, your audience. You want to reach you more than uh, just a couple of week, couple time a week uh, missive that uh, is really superior. But you got to connect on more more levels. Yeah, yeah, I'll be doing a once a week podcast starting this week <laughs> as soon as I get the first one recorded. And, uh, you know, there's never a shortage of stuff to talk about. So I think the challenge with a, a series of podcasts is cutting it down to just 10 minutes or so um, from all the stuff that we could be talking about in, in a given week. So, yeah, uh, this is the first and hopefully the first of many. Hey, and bringing it out on the junk bonds, there's a reason those bonds are called junk bonds, John. And the fact is, when yields get down to 6%, you know something is going to blow up because they can't stay that way indefinitely. There are companies that shouldn't be allowed to borrow your money. And, And the average investor, even sophisticated investors, professional investors, have a very hard time analyzing the ability of junk bond companies, issuers to pay them back. I mean, this is a disaster here that individuals have gotten sucked into this in search of the almighty yield. Yeah, well, here, here's the dynamic with junk bonds. When when interest rates start to fall and the economy is doing reasonably well, then weak companies 
are able to borrow pretty cheaply. They refinance their old debt, their old high cost debt at a lower rate. And so it makes their finances look artificially strong in the moment. And then people like retirees who need yield and can't get it in a bank CD anymore or head, um, um, pension funds that are supposed to generate 8% a year but can't get it in treasury bonds anymore, they, they start jumping into junk bonds. And so you see all these formerly risk averse investors buying these high yield bonds that they don't realize are as risky as they are. And then eventually they blow up, you know, uh, junk bonds are sort of like equities. They, they go in very similar cycles. And when they blow up, they really blow up. And that, that's kind of what's happening right now. So what we've done in the past few years is strand a bunch of people who really shouldn't be in risky stuff in perhaps the most risky part of the market right now. And now they're being burned. So once again, government policy is um, hurting the people who least deserve to be hurt. And the question now with junk bonds is, where do we go from here? Does it metastasize to the rest of the market and, uh, and cause a global financial crisis? Or is it contained in just um, one small pocket of the market? And uh, it's looking kind of like the former right now, because um, on Friday and then today, uh, some junk bond mutual funds started closing. One of them, uh, Third Avenue Management, suspended redemptions. They won't let you get your money out of the fund now if you put some money in. And then uh, Stone Lion Capital Partners and Lucidus Fund have both begun liquidating their junk bond funds. And uh, so what that means is that if you own junk bonds in any form, you've got a big problem right now. And it's uh, incumbent upon you to get out of those funds as, as quickly as possible. And so we're seeing a run on the junk bond market right now. Everybody's bailing. If and, possible, uh, if you can get out. Yeah, if right? you can, if you can. Because a lot of these things, you know, a lot of these things you bought for 100 cents on the dollar, for instance, might be worth 30 or 40, 50 cents now. Um, if you can get somebody to buy them and uh, the way these things work, actually, I, my first job in finance was as a junior junk bond analyst in uh, 1989, just in time for the junk bond bubble of that era to blow up. So I, I've seen this firsthand up close and personal. And mm -hmm. what happens is um, nobody wants to touch these things because um, once you're burned by a concept and you're a money manager, you can't justify to your bosses or to your shareholders uh, jumping back in anytime soon. So all you can really do if you want to keep your job is just get out and then let the dust settle and then see what happens. And so that's yeah. what you got everybody doing right now. And so junk is cratering. And um, so really the question is, What's the next domino to fall? And Bloomberg just this morning um, did an article on one of the related markets that's now imploding, and that's CLOs, collateralized loan obligations, which are kind of like um, packages of junk bonds, junk loans that have been brought together and turned into a bond issue and then sold to institutional investors like hedge funds and pension funds. And now they're tanking. Um, so... I think the next thing we need to look out for is dividend stocks, because at the same time that uh, retirees and, and pension funds were loading up on junk bonds, they were looking at high dividend equities and hoping that they could generate income that way. And a lot of those equities were um, gas pipelines <laughs> and oil companies yeah. and things like that, that that now don't have anything like the cash flow that they need to 
maintain their dividends. So you're seeing a, a lot of those companies cut their dividends. Kinder Morgan is a, <clears throat> a pretty good example of that. I know that company big, well, yeah. Yeah, big yeah. pipeline company. Yeah, for Very, years. Yeah, yeah. And now they cut their dividend by 75%. So if you thought you were going to make 4% this year in Kinder Morgan stock, now you're going to make 1%. And the stock itself is going to go down. So you're going to have a net loss. And that's what a lot of people are realizing now, that, uh, that they thought they had locked in a decent amount of income. But they're finding out that junk bonds and high dividend stocks are not the same thing as bank CDs. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's that's a really rude awakening for a lot of people. And, and so we have to follow the logic train from junk bonds to CLOs to high dividend stocks and see what happens next. And usually the way this works is everything happens next because when, for instance, the hedge funds that are loaded up on CLOs run into excessive redemptions where they have to give some of their, their capital back to their investors <clears throat> and they can't sell their CLOs. So what do they do? They look around and see what they can sell. And so let's say you've got some Google stock at near the all time high that you can sell in a heartbeat. Well, that's a quick source of cash. And so um, pressure on a, a weak small part of the market like junk bonds can metastasize to pressure on even the highest quality part of markets because that's the stuff you can sell if you need to raise cash. And so <clears throat> that's the kind of process that we're going to see at work here, I think, in the, uh, the next few weeks, if the governments of the world don't step in like they have in the past and try to stop this uh, budding financial crisis in its tracks. And uh, see, the problem we have right now is that the, uh, the U.S. Fed is kind of boxed into an interest rate increase on Wednesday. So normally, with the market being what it is um, lately, you would see the Fed step in and announce some really aggressive easing, right, to, um, mm -hmm. yeah. to, to make everybody feel better. But they're kind of boxed into announcing a tightening <laughs> in two days. And yeah. so it's not clear how that changes the dynamic because – you know, over the last 20 or 30 years, we've gotten used to this process where as soon as there's a problem, the Fed jumps in and uh, announces something really nice for the financial markets. The financial markets respond to that uh, positively and everything goes back up. Well, let's see. We'll see if it happens the same way this time, but uh, it, it's going to be a little bit different. We'll see how different. Yeah, well, it's a deja vu all over again. If you remember 2008, 2009, the uh, the subprime mortgage market blew up, and that was a relatively small percentage of the total mortgage market, you know, 10, 12%. Actually, it turned out to be a lot more than that because things that you thought were prime wound up being sub-subprime, uh, and such a, an analogy could be very apt right here, John. Uh, remember... When uh, Greenspan got up there and said, uh, no, no, the system's fine. Everything's okay. It won't spread to the general market. And what happened then, John? Yeah, and Greenspan and Bernanke both um, have a very disturbing video trail when it comes to uh, um, displaying their understanding of these markets, you know, because they, they both thought uh, that derivatives were good and that uh, and the, the subprime mortgage market was easily contained, you know, and it ended up spreading to the, the global financial system and nearly taking down the whole thing. Well, junk bonds are bigger 
than subprime mortgages were. And CLOs are also a pretty big market. And uh, and let that spread to equities. And, and we've got a real problem here because I, I don't think the global financial system is capable of handling a garden variety equities bear market. You know, we we took on fifty seven trillion dollars in new debt since the 2008, 2009 crash. A big part of that was China, but also the U.S. and Europe and Japan all loaded up on government debt. And, uh, and they, they have been since encouraging the private sector to leverage itself to the hilt. So, you know, we're really fragile. So any kind of yeah. a crisis from here on out is systemically dangerous just because we're deeply in debt. You know, we're like the, the family that's been maxing out one new credit card every six months for five years. Now, anything <laughs> that happens, you know, an illness or a leaky roof, uh, or a transmission yeah. going out, you know, we, your, your life is turned upside down. Well, the global financial system is that family writ large. Yeah. And so and they know that, you know, all the central banks of the world know that because um, they've been responding to just little tiny squiggles in the stock market, stuff that you didn't even used to notice. You know, a five percent drop in the S&P 500 brings the talking heads out to CNBC from the Fed, mm -hmm. you know, saying that, well, you know, maybe we could cut interest rates a little bit more next time around. And, and I think we can handle negative interest rates and uh, we're, we're completely capable of buying back a uh, trillion dollars of bonds if we need to this this week. You know, that we've been they, doing they, it. They say these things. Yeah. Whatever it takes to calm the markets down, they say, regardless of whether it's true or has any logical consistency or anything, because their their goal isn't logical consistency or truth. It's calming the markets down in the moment. And yeah. uh, so they'll come out and try something like that again. But it's not clear how they do that at the same time that they raise interest rates. So <laughs> this is one of the, the more amusing parts of the uh, our, our descent into financial chaos. Yeah. And and there's no stopping it. Once these things start, it's like catching a falling knife. What are you going to do about it? How do you stop it? It's going to require global cooperation because as we saw from the uh, subprime bubble last time, once it starts, it spreads to everything in every market and it becomes very difficult to contain. And John, remember, like, uh, was it two weeks ago? Or was it last week? The Fed had an unannounced uh, special meeting in D.C. of the governors. And obviously they know these things are happening before you and I do. They're very well aware of it, and it could have been getting to, uh, to critical mass, and that's why these meetings are taking place. But like you said, how do you not raise interest rates even though it's the, uh, the worst thing you can do? Yeah, they, they've really boxed themselves in here because they've been um, saying they were going to do it and then taking it back and saying they were going to do it and taking it back. And then, you know, they've kind of become a laugh, laughing stock out there. And I think they know for their own self-respect that this time they really do have to raise interest rates. And they've got a few indicators that um, that they can point to and um, and and say that, well, it's time because employment is this and business loans are that, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is the global financial system, the global economy is very fragile and mostly heading in the wrong direction. You know, Europe is a mess and, and uh, Japan's Abenomics, which is their version of QE, didn't really work. And, and China has all this debt that they don't know what to do with. And uh, uh, some really, really gigantic um, 
infrastructure projects that aren't panning out for them. So they've got a lot of um, financial issues they've got to deal with. And they're doing it in the context of a rising dollar, which in a lot of ways is good for them. That means they're kind of winning the currency war because their currency is getting cheaper versus the dollar. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a limit. And if we keep increasing the value of the dollar by raising interest rates here, then that destabilizes other parts of the world. And uh, lots of people depend on the dollar being at a certain level to be able to manage the dollars they've borrowed. So anyhow, uh, the, the system is extremely unstable and there's no real fix because so much leveraged finance depends on various things that are mutually contradictory, you know? Some people want the dollar to go down for their own survival, other people want it to go up. And some people want lower interest rates and higher interest rates and, and um, oil to fall and oil to increase because of all these derivatives out there on all these underlying instruments. And so anything that happens, if it happens quickly, blows up a lot of these leveraged bets. And so we're always, from now on, on kind of a knife edge where anything that happens has losers who are big enough to be systemically dangerous. So I don't know what the answer is. Well, I mean, there, there is no answer. Once you borrow too much money, there is no painless way out. You, know, you just have to um, take the pain in some way. And yeah, so that's got to be dealt with. It's got to be liquidated. And there's very few ways to do that. Right, John? Yeah. And I, I think we're going to end up trying to inflate our way out of all of this eventually, you know, and, and uh, because the alternative is to default our way out of it, which is a global depression. So at some point, the QE programs are going to get much bigger than they are now. Interest rates are going to go negative and government deficits are going to go back up and, and we'll have you know, some kind of QE for the people where governments just give us all a bunch of money <laughs> and finance it with borrowing. And, uh, and at some point in that process, the whole thing blows up because uh, we're, we're in the process of creating too much debt for anybody to handle. And so we get something like um, 1929 writ large with much, much bigger numbers and much more fragility. And, uh, and it turns into something that the central banks finally can't control. So it's coming, you know, there's no way to know when, but um, the early stage of it will feel like this, you know, with one sector blowing up and then it's spreading to other sectors and the government's trying to figure out what to do about it, but not being able to come up with anything uh, uh, that's really effective. And, um, and then the system tipping over. So we're in the early stage of something like that now. And we'll see if this turns out to be the big one. You never know, but it could be. <laughs> hey, you yeah. know what that reminds me of when you say the big one? Sanford and Son, where uh, Fred Sanford, you know, was always panicking over something that says, it's the big one. I'm going to have the big one now. I'm coming to join you, you know, <laughs> Eleanor, his wife or whatever her name was. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, this might not be the big one, but no, we're, we're that much closer to a big one. And uh, I think your podcast is going to be a big one also, John. I've, uh, I'm really happy that you're doing it and we're going to do our best to promote it here at Financial Survival Network. We'll make you part of our FSN network. It's going to be great and uh, looking forward to it. And hey, if you want to get uh, the link to John's podcast, uh, just send him an email and it's also going to be on dollarcollapse.com. Uh, just give out your email address, please, John. Yeah, a good email address is info at dollarcollapse.com. And uh, I'll put you on the mailing list for the podcasts and for future articles.
that's great. That's great. And hopefully, I guess initially you're going to do it one time per week. And then as uh, you get uh, better at it, you do it more just like us. And hey, it's exciting. And uh, and we can always use another quality podcast in the world. That's what I found. So, <laughs> hey, and while you're at it, go take a look at financialsurvivalnetwork.com. Always have a link in the show notes to John's site, dollarcollapse.com. Check out John's book, The Money Bubble, that he co-wrote with, uh, with our good friend. And uh, the, the best, uh, probably, the, you know, the best out there in terms of uh, figuring out where, what's going on with gold. I'm talking about James Turk. And John, uh, hey, next week when we talk, you will be an accomplished podcaster. So we'll talk to you then. Great. Thanks, Gary. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.